0: To the Angry Christian Podcast. We have been taking a break since probably Christmas time, I think. Uh, We did do a uh, end of year review. Um, Just kind of looking back over uh, the last year at wonderful things like snails. I think Jonathan gave us snails as one of the things to talk about. Uh, But yeah, we we talked about lots of fun things, Uh, the events that happened over 2019, we released that as our, really, uh, just kind of our final episode for season one. And today, on this day, this Tuesday in February, we are now releasing episode one of season two. Yes, folks, we made it through one whole season without losing a single listener. Well, I can't prove that, but we may have lost some listeners, but... (laughs) It's possible. No, we uh, we are starting our new season, and we are going to kick off with an interesting topic here. Uh, we have titled this episode "The Battle of the Ages." Uh, let's get ready to rumble! And I just imagine Michael the Wise in his wizard outfit, and me in my paladin outfit and Jonathan in his Ranger outfit and Brian What what would you wear, Brian? You're a cosplay kind of guy.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, oh. I think my most problem was my Taki costume.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I was gonna go with a Goku costume.
1: Oh, that yeah, was Halloween last year.
0: Ah, oh, see. Nice. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, here we are doing our role playing, Dungeons and Dragons, Battle of the Ages. Uh, but we're not actually talking about physical battle. We are talking about yet another type of division that takes place within the church body here in America. Um, over. Over, over? Man, this, over. the speaking thing over. tonight is apparently something that what I earth? am going to have to work on. Um, the words do not come out of my mouth. Um, anyway, over the last few weeks, uh, let's see, I'm trying to look at the actual dates. Uh, this particular article, January 18th, so the day after my birthday, um, and then January 22nd, which came out... Uh, four days after, no, five days after my birthday. Um, these are two different articles. And interestingly, one article is about the treatment of the older generation within the church. And the other article is the treatment of uh, infants and young children. So it's like the diametric opposite ends, polar opposite ends of the age spectrum. And that's what we mean by the battle of of the ages. And so we're going to dive into this tonight. Uh, We're going to kind of talk about uh, some of these things. And believe it or not, uh, these articles, as we learned, as we were talking before doing this um, recording, caught Brian a little bit off guard, didn't it, Brian? Yeah,
1: it did. I, uh, when I was introduced to this idea, I thought that it was a local isolated incident, but, The more I was exposed to the topic, the the broader the uh, aspects of this seemed to be. I had no idea that this was a problem for the church at large. And it it really caught me off guard that there are so many churches that haven't embraced the idea of family holistically.
0: Right, and family meaning from birth to death. (laughs) Mm right. Um and what 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 Brian's getting at is that we shared a couple of articles amongst our group. Um one of those uh was an article that came out uh around January 17th. Um and here's here's the title of this article. Now there's several articles out there um, there's another one that came out uh, January 23rd, so several days after the initial article. The initial, initial article says this as the title. It says, Cottage Grove Church to Usher Out Gray-Haired Members in an Effort to Attract More Young Parishioners. The uh, the other article that came out, which was on patheos.com, uh, says, Church Growth by Kicking Out Old People. What <laughs> do Straight to the point. Um, So, uh, just to summarize, if you haven't seen this article, uh, this article came out about a church, uh, Grove United Methodist Church, which is in Cottage Grove. uh, Where is it?
2: Um, Missouri. Can't remember. uh, Missouri or Iowa? Somewhere out there.
0: Out west. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Minnesota Cottage Grove Church, Minnesota. Uh. It was out in Minnesota. Um, so apparently there was a little bit of an uproar because this church is, uh, what a lot of church growth experts would consider a dying church. Um, they were down to something like three regular attendees every week. Um, wow. and primarily of the older generation, like 60 years and older, um,
3: how many attendees did you say?
0: I think it was like 30, right? 25 to 30, okay. somewhere in there?
3: I don't know why I heard you say three.
0: <laughs> no, not three. Not three. Maybe... maybe it was 30. Yeah. Yeah. Between 25 and 30 people regularly attending, um, they were kind of um, engrafted into another church, a larger church. So this was effectively like a second um, campus or location for the church. And um, basically they were told that uh, they wanted to be able to attract younger people to the church. So they started like a planning committee, if you will, or a planning team to relaunch the church, that they were going to close the church and then reopen it in the fall. Um, And basically they said, anybody that doesn't join us on the church planning team or the relaunch team, um, we're going to invite you to go to church somewhere else for the next two years Um, uh, (laughs) for whatever reason uh, so that um, they can attract younger generations um, because what they're going to do is make changes that they knew would probably upset some of the older folks within that church Um, changes to the facility changes to I'm assuming the way people can dress to come to church, changes in the musical styles, all of these things that they assumed would likely set some older people off. As a result, a lot of the older people within the church got rather offended and felt like they were basically being told, you're too old and irrelevant, and the only way to attract younger people um, is basically to not have you here, <laughs> is how they... Yeah, hey, resemble that. That's how they took it. Now, whether or not that's legitimately what was stated is kind of disputable. Um, articles have come out kind of from both sides. And as our group was discussing, I don't feel that necessarily the whole picture is being well represented by either side. But what we can take from this is that it appears that um, this church seems to think that the most important thing in church growth is to attract younger families. Um, And that's not necessarily a bad thing to attract younger families, um, but they're, they're neglecting, in my opinion, the older generation within that church, especially members of this church who have probably been there for a long time, if not their whole lives, and maybe even, you know, helped, you know, in its earlier days of beginning as a church many, many, many moons ago. Um, So anyway, that was the first article that kind of surfaced. So as you can see, there's this, this kind of um, feeling against the older people. Now this isn't the old, only article that we've seen like this. There was a lady, uh, there was another article that we saw for a lady who was 92 years old who basically got a letter. She was kind of a shut-in for a while due to health reasons, obviously, 92 years old. Um, basically got a letter from her church that told her that she was no longer a member because she wasn't attending or giving enough money to the church. Uh, yeah. That
3: was a few, that was a few years, years back.
0: back. That, was a few, that was a few years back, but it's just another example Um you know, of of people, basically getting getting the shaft um, for various reasons. Then, to top it all off, um, there was another article that came out, and this one kind of actually stirred a little debate within our own group. Actually, both articles did, and we'll get to that, and we'll open that door here in a minute. I just want to kind of set the tone or set the uh, the stage here. So, another article that came out. Um, the article <laughs> title says. Pastor stops church service to have woman and child escorted out after baby makes noise.
2: Well, yeah, that's what the article says, but we saw the video.
0: Yep, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, well, they and they, they included the video, um, I think in the article. Uh, yep, they did. Um, and basically. It couldn't really be understood from the video that the baby was being a a total distraction, Um, but apparently it was enough of a distraction for the pastor to feel like he needed to address it. Uh, When he addressed it, (laughs) um, the uh, church members clearly got a little, um, I don't know, agitated by it, uh, because then he addresses the church and basically, well, here's the words he says, okay, okay. Let me stop. Just because I did that, everybody's freaking out because I just said that. Listen, we love children, and you... And he points at the girl. Sweetie, look at me. We love kids. But if a child is going to affect the whole service because the child's cranky or whatever, we do have TVs that are right there in the back. So that's cool. Um... And then he goes on to say, listen, I love children, but see, everyone's focus is right there, right now. And sweetheart, as long as she's fine, you stand there and do your thing. But I need you to understand, somebody else got up and walked out. That's okay. I'm not going to affect 300 people because of a crying child. That's why we have TVs in the outside. That's why we have a nursery. If you get offended over that, I'm sorry. I really am sorry, but we're not going to do that. And I know I sound like a jerk right now, but we're not going to affect 300 people because of that. Let me try to get back in the mode of where I was. Okay, so those are the words of the pastor from the video. Um, clearly, I think if, if I had to go off of the video, the only person who was really, truly uh, distracted in that moment was the pastor. Um, and then he effectively made the situation worse. Um Because he called the ushers down. He said, hey, ushers, can you please show them where the nursery is? I don't want to struggle with a child the whole time. Um, So he says that from the stage in front of 300 people, which if you're a mother and you're there with your child, uh, I'm sure it was a a wonderful feeling to have that um, broadcasted in front of everybody. Um, Anyway, so these two things just kind of highlight Um, a bit of what I would refer to as an issue in the church as a battle of the ages. It seems that there's always been this battle between older generations and younger generations, and that there always seems to be this church growth focus on everybody in between, but neglecting the younger and the older generations. Um, You know, everybody wants to, provide nurseries and child care, but they do it because they're trying to attract the parents. And then everybody wants to have, uh, certain types of music, right. And they don't, they don't, or certain appearances to the building or certain whatever. And they do it, um, and they're not doing it to try and, and provide an atmosphere that's, uh, conducive to everybody. They're doing it specifically in their own words to attract everybody that's in that middle group of people. Um, And so I I just look at this, and guys, this is where I'm going to open up the floor for discussion. Um, But I just look at this, and I see this as an ongoing and growing problem where we have somehow made the the focus of the church mission a single group of people and have isolated out other groups.
2: (sighs) Well, let's unpack that uh, first issue yep. a little bit. Um, the and I apologize because I will cough at some point. I
0: Inexcusable,
2: terrible, tickle lately. But anyway, uh, the the entire premise, the the entire thought process behind that says that you can't grow with older folks. And there's a little bit of logic to that. I mean, older people, um, and, and listen, I'm going to speak very, you know how I am. I speak very uh, bluntly about certain things. I'm going to speak very bluntly about these things. Right. Older people die off. They do. It's the nature of things. And uh, you cannot fill a pew with a dead body. Um, well, I mean, you that could. <laughs> sadly, that, that's the approach that's being taken here the approach is, um, Hey, we need to grow the body sitting in the building. So, uh, the older folks are not, uh, part of that. Is it really about growing the church or is it just about getting butts in the seats? And, uh, to me, it's just about getting butts in the seats. I think that there's a, there's a There's a part of it that's a nobler thing. You can't reach out to people if you don't have butts in the seats. At the same time, uh, the the real underlying goal isn't the growth of the church body as much as it is attendance.
0: Right. It really is about attendance, and it's about how much money... They can bring into the church because let's face it, babies aren't tithing and older people are typically on a fixed income.
2: Well, yes and no. I, if you look at the statistical data, um, you know, Southern Baptist Convention puts together all sorts of statistical data. Older people tithe and younger people don't.
0: That's true. It's backwards. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, but, you know, typically and I only say this from experience, I've been in churches where we did certain things because the assumption was it would bring us the most tithing members.
2: Well, there's a, there's a, a catch 22 there that you bring up. It's not just that you bring in tithing members. It's that if you do things that certain folks don't like, they stop tithing. they They say, well, I'm not paying for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, There is that for sure. Yeah, and then there's the two year old who said he's not tithing unless he gets a diaper change. He's not tithing, he's teething. Or goldfish. Dun, dun, I see what you just did there. <laughs> that was a good one. That was quick. That was quick.
2: Dad jokes for days. I want to assume the best about
1: uh, these pastors that are making these kind of decisions, pastors and elders. Uh, I don't want to think that all of them are just trying to get bus in the seat, so we know that that happens. Uh, I want to give them some benefit of the doubt and think that they are trying to build a church with wrong foundation. Because ultimately, uh, the pastors, elders, us, anybody, we can't grow the church. As Christ said, I will build my church. And He set the standard for what the church should be. We're supposed to be family. You mentioned the 92-year-old that was kicked out of the church because she wasn't there and she wasn't tithing or whatever. So uh, if great grandma doesn't make it a Christmas dinner, is she out of the family?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, is that, is that how this works um, uh, Apparently in the ball, church, ball. yes.
1: <laughs> if we get a bunch of young people in these churches, who's shepherding them? Who's guiding them? Are there young people that are going through the same thing? Right. I'm looking at uh, Job chapter 32, verse 7. It says, I thought, age should speak. Advanced years should teach wisdom. We need them. A lot of these older people have been walking in the faith for years and years and years. They have wisdom they can share with us so we can be raised in the faith. In yeah. the center, we are still finding our way. And we need to be prepared to teach those that come after us. Some of us are already in those places where we're doing that.
0: Right. Well, in, in addition to that, think about this. So, um, I was I was thinking about, uh, so in Titus two, Titus chapter two, this is Paul talking to Titus, who's a young pastor in the early church. Okay. Uh And this, this is what he's, he says to him in the early part of chapter two, he says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. And this is where it becomes relevant. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Um, They cannot be Kitty from that 70s show. Um, Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. So the what I'm seeing here is Paul is is painting the picture that the church is only complete, really, let's just be real, is only complete when all of the generations are teaching one another. So if we exclude the older generation, how how can how can the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands and their children and to live wisely and be pure if we're kicking them out of the church and we're saying sorry we can't grow our church with you here or we're making them feel like they're in the way same thing with the older older men you know the older men are expected to teach the younger men and likewise it it says because i'm assuming here that titus is a young fellow um, that he's suggesting to Titus that he needs to be an example to the older generations that are there as well. So there's this give and take between all the generations We're the young teaching the old and the old teaching the young. So if, if we're saying, sorry, you're up to this age, you're not allowed in the sanctuary and uh, above this age, we really don't want you in our church because you're cramping our style you know what is that communicating to the world about what we believe with regards to uh just the whole body That's like looking at my hand and I go, okay, I got my thumb, finger, you know and my four fingers, but I go, you know what hand thumb, you're really cramping my style, man, you're crooked, you're a little wrinkly, I need you to to take off well, now my hand is missing a finger. <laughs>
2: I have to. The, the imperative question here is: What's wrong with your thumb? Um, no, uh, I smashed you're it exactly. In the fire, boy. <laughs> no, you're exactly right about that. Now, in studying for this topic, uh, we have the perception that in the older day, olden days, and, and there's some truth to it that um, when it refers to younger people as talking teenagers. Now, that's not necessarily true. And researching, I I found out that uh, usually in that context, when it was talking of young men, it referred to anybody really around the age of 40 and lower. And when it was speaking of older men, of course, it was above that age. Uh, Timothy, for instance, was not a teenager uh, based on some of the information that... uh, that we actually have concerning you know, his mother and different things. He was not a teenager. He was actually probably in his mid thirties right. uh, and was considered a young man. Sure. So as we're talking about this, let's not lose context of what we're referring to by young and old. Uh, also, uh, the, I, I, there was a guy the other day, my wife and I went on a date, a group date thing. And I was sitting beside this guy, uh, that I didn't agree with. Uh, And one of the things he said to me was, I'm going to tell my kids when they go to college to go ahead and get all their mistakes out of the way their first year uh, so they can learn from them. Wow. And I just looked at him dumbfounded, like, what kind of logic is that? (laughs) Um, Because Connor and Caleb and I, we have had, and Caleb's turning 18 this month, Proud, just super proud of him as a, as he grows into a man. And obviously, there's no magic in turning 18, but our society says that's the magic number. And uh, and I got to tell you, he is uh, he has surprised me with how well he's he's um, making that jump. But it comes from this fact. It comes from the fact that he has learned. You don't learn from your own mistakes. You learn from other people's mistakes. Because if we learn from our own mistakes, then we should all have scars from being burned as children. Because we wouldn't be taking the word, the, the, our parents wouldn't be guiding us and saying, don't touch that hot stove. We would all have to touch it ourselves in order to learn anything. It's just a preposterous notion to say that we learn from our own mistakes. Now, in the church, how do we look at that? Well the older folks have come through and a lot of what they've seen is stuff that we can uh, glean understanding from. Uh, I personally, I I play devil's advocate a lot when we discuss things because there are always two sides to a story. And I, I see both sides. Uh, Even if I don't agree with both sides, I see both sides. And uh, for me, I love, 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 love the old people in the church because I have learned so much from them. I, my entire faith walk, the good parts of my faith walk are gleaned from the wiser people that have gone before me. Everything that I, that I can call a mistake was done on my own. I, and, and I mean that literally it was done on my own understanding and not through learning from the wisdom of others. Uh, you know, we, y- y'all jokingly call me Michael the Wise, and the any wisdom I've got is borrowed. Uh, obviously from the Holy Spirit first, but uh, definitely by those that he has put in my path, and I'm forever thankful for them. And many of those folks are passed on, um, I hate to say. Uh, and I hope that I carry on their wisdom as, as we go. And that's another part of it is... We need to be able to take what they've given us and and pass it on to the generation behind us. So if we neglect the elders now, what do we expect when we become elders? Why why would we be treated any different?
0: Right. And and
2: where would the where would the wisdom die?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I understand that. So one of the articles I read that oh, I wish I'd pulled it up now 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 that I'm not um on it but it was an article that kind of looked at the idea of not neglecting the older generation um and and the reason it it said that was basically the younger generation, the church needs the younger generation because of their their energy and their passion and their desire and their go get it right. But we also right. we also need the older generation for their wisdom and their temperance because they're gonna they're gonna help the younger generation to step back and go, hold on. I get your passion, I get you're excited, but we need to think through these steps, right? We need to, we need to uh, look out for the potholes. You know, so well like you're saying, that
2: that's Proverbs twenty twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty twenty nine says, uh the glory of young men is their strength, you know, their exuberance, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Right. Uh, so that that in a, is is that perfectly in a nutshell. I mean, it's there there isn't it's not a one or the other, and those young men with that strength, they eventually become those old men with that gray hair.
0: Right. Um, I was trying to find that article because it was it was really um, it was really a good article and just kind of bringing some things into perspective. But um
1: while you're looking for that, I, uh, my church just merged with another church that was struggling a bit, and their congregation was mostly older folks. So um, they were the way to merge worked is their church was kind of absorbed by ours. And we are looking for ways that we can love them. They have a long tenure at this church. Um, A lot of these people, they've been a part of it for many, many, many years. So we don't want to come in there and change a whole bunch of things and alienate them. We're looking for ways that we can effectively uh, serve them. Make it known to them that we love them and they're our family now. We're we're one body in Christ, and we want to we want to honor them and what they've built up to now. And I'm I'm looking at Isaiah 46 verses 4 right now while I'm thinking through this. Says even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. If if God cares so much to sustain and carry a believers that are older, who are we to treat them like they're second and third class citizens? Exactly, yeah.
2: Well, and, and in First Timothy 5, 1 Timothy 5.1, you know, it's, uh, Paul instructs Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men, as brothers. Now, he's not telling Timothy not to correct an older man. He, he, he prior to that, he tells Timothy how to live as an example, to make an example to the older men. He's just telling Timothy not to go in there like he's, you know, I'm anointed and you're not. Uh, right. This is this is how we're doing things. There's there's a wisdom in uh, in respect, and that's essentially what he's saying. He's saying respect, and that's the that's really what this comes down to. I think the church as a whole, it's not, and it's not just older people we've just lost respect in general. You look at our political process and the crap going on right now and how awful it is, but really the church, the church is culpable in this because we have allowed that kind of mentality to not only seep into the church, but to be projected from the church. I see so many people taking up for president Trump when he says stuff, listen, he's done a lot of good things. He's done a lot of stupid things. He's not some demigod. I, I, I'm happy that he's done more for the pro-life movement. He's still not done some great, you know, and he would be what we would call an elder. But from a Christian perspective, he's not. <laughs> he, he he does brash, unnecessary things that don't fit with the uh, scriptural wisdom. Um, and so to paint that picture as such, there there are many, many, many in the church that just fawn over him as if he is a prophet and that is just horribly wrong and it's it speaks to some of what we're talking about here that we have a wrong perception of what it means to respect now back that up a little bit when i go back to what you were saying brad out of titus so just like brian was saying we have you know reaching out to those older folks in the church we have to be careful not to be the patting them on the head like you know like oh that's good we're, we're glad you're here now now i'll go sit over there um i, I don't feel that i'm not saying that that's how you are doing it brian i'm just saying that i've seen that before and, and we got to be careful not to do that at the same time we can't just uh carte blanche say well, you're older and you've been in the church for 11 billion years, so we acquiesce to whatever you say. Because as Titus says, it gives a description of what a, an older man is expected of an older man. So if they don't fit that description, then guess what? They're, they're not that—they um, still deserve respect as a person, but they're not that respected individual of, of wise authority within the body. It would be the best way to put it. Oh, sure.
0: Yeah, we're, you're not going to expect the angry, bitter old person who complains about everything and makes a stink about everything to be you know, somebody that you just turn to and say, you know what, we would love your leadership in this church. I mean, you're not leading by example right now, so why would we put you in, in leadership just because of your age? Um, and as we
2: discussed that's some of the context that we're missing from these situations, um, we, we, see, are, we just have to assume that these, these are uh, elderly people following a godly example. If we assume the uh, opposite of that, then, you know, are they actually wrong for saying, okay, now you need to go sit over there because you're actually hindering the body as a whole? Because there are people, we know this, there are people that live their entire lives Within the church that don't know Christ, yeah, yeah, and that's why we need to hear the gospel repeatedly. The gospel exactly, is the young and, right. old.
0: and that's and that's why I said that there's several articles about this one event that have different sides of the argument, but neither article is necessarily presenting the whole picture. Because who's going to really admit that they're the old, angry, bitter person? You know, and what pastor is going to admit that they kicked out the old people of the church? (laughs) You know, I mean, nobody wants to be targeted as the guy that just told the old people to leave the church. But, I mean, the reality is, is this church is just an example. You can walk into any church right now, just about, and see the clear division between the ages. Um. You know, we, and we set it up that way. We have set it up that way as a church structure. Um, in many churches, children don't really get involved with the actual body of the church or the life of the church until they're 18 years old. They're given their own classrooms, their own separate spaces. They walk into the door, their parents hand them off to a children's worker, and that's the last they see of them until after church.
1: And we wonder, like, is we the church after high school? Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we
1: treat them like third-class citizens, and when they come of age, they don't want to be bothered with it anymore, because to them, they see it as it's a social club for religious people.
0: Yep. Right.
1: They're being treated as families.
0: I mean I understand it. You know the arguments are always out there. Well we we provide this this service to the young families because we want parents to not feel like they have to be distracted with their kid and they can have a place to leave them so that they can focus on their own spiritual um, development but then so what I have do they to ask the the, the That's exactly what I was going to say. What, <laughs> so what exactly are they doing the other 6 days of the week? Um <laughs> You know, clearly they must uh, be doing a stellar job. And, um, you know, but, you know, and then the, the other argument is they don't, we don't want them to be a distraction for the other people within the church. Um, you know what? But then I run into people like this. So, like, uh, Sherry and I are, are at a Methodist church right now. I'm on staff as a worship leader. And uh, Sherry just started um, bringing the kids to sit on the very front row um, during church. Now, at... I guess about the halfway mark, maybe not even halfway mark, one-third of the way through the service, they release the children to go to Children's Church. Now, it's optional. No child is required. Um, But there's a couple of old ladies that sit behind Sherry and the kids, and they let Sherry know just how much they love our kids sitting in the sanctuary. Take it
2: from a sarcastic perspective, right?
0: (laughs) No, no, they're being legitimate and
2: oh okay you, you the way you said it was like oh yes
0: No, no, no. no. <laughs> sorry um i really gotta work on my tone um no the, the the ladies were legitimately saying to sherry that they they just they absolutely appreciated the fact that our kids were in there um and this includes my 12 year old my nine year old my seven year old and my three year old um, who are sitting on the very front row of the sanctuary.
2: Well, your kids are angels. So, you know, Uh,
0: my kids are not angels. If you know, Declan Gunner Bates, um, that child last Sunday wore his pajamas through the whole service. Okay. Because he refused to change his clothes. He did not want to wear regular church clothes. So we said, fine, we're not having this fight. You're just going to sit in church in your pajamas. Um, and actually, the old ladies thought it was wonderful. They were like, oh, that's so cute. I wish I could come to church in pajamas. And, um, come on. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I said. I, I said, go ahead. Who's going to stop you? I said, I'll pajama day at church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, they were serious when they said what they were saying. And, and and what they were trying to communicate was that they appreciated the young life in the room. Um, and I think Sherry even, you know, said, well, we're sorry. I know Declan can be wild. So we're apologize in advance for his, his outbursts, and they were like, uh, don't even think about it. It's not a problem. And, you know, and that's just, in this church, that's the behavior. In fact, in our other church, at Journey Church, same thing. You know, we we have the children's ministries. We have the classrooms. Again, optional, nursery optional. But if I wanted to keep Declan in the sanctuary, we can. And no one has made us feel like we were bad parents because we brought a three-year-old into the sanctuary who made a noise in the middle of the sermon. Um, Pastor Will didn't stop in the middle of his message at any point and point out children and parents who were not abiding by the children and need to be in the nursery rule. Um, you know, and, and I, I feel like that kind of bridges that gap. It needs to be an optional thing. I get, I get the reasons why we provide that service but there are some churches that I have personally been a part of that have straight up told parents that your kid belongs in the nursery.
1: Uh, let's do a little bit of Bible trivia here. Who was <laughs> first to celebrate the arrival of Jesus in uh, the play?
2: Shepherds. That would be J.B. John the Baptist. Yeah. Oh, he
0: left in the womb
2: yep. a child.
0: That's true. Oh,
1: poor <laughs>
2: Elizabeth.
0: A pre <pre-natal> child.
1: <laughs> yeah, and man, so I'm, I'm involved in uh, abolitionist ministry, so I'm really sensitive to this topic. Our culture hates, hates, hates children. Yeah. Who kill them for any and every reason? And uh, if you're a person that has a big family, Brad, you might get two out four kids people would <laughs> like asking, like, you like, you know what causes that? Do you know why that happens?
0: I actually heard that the other day. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. These children are something to celebrate. Personally, being in the hostile environment that I find myself in sometimes, if I hear a baby crying, praise God, children are a blessing.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think it was Tom Rainer, um, in the Southern Baptist Convention, when that article came out about the the pastor calling out the woman from the pulpit, he made a statement which he's not the first to say. He stole it from somebody else, but it's a true statement, in my opinion. He said, if you don't hear the babies crying, then it's possible that your church is dying. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Now that's you know, what he's trying to suggest is that, you know, if you're gonna shun the children you know the children are the ones that are coming behind the current generations, um, who are going to be filling into the leadership positions. But if you're going to if you're going to make them unwelcome, and you're going to make it to where they don't even know what church life is like until they're 18 years old, um, you know my my personal opinion is that a child um, is just as legitimate a member of the church body as a 92 year old woman, and. You know, are they filled with wisdom? No, neither am I. I'm 38. Um, you know, we they're they're not as wise as I am, and I'm not as wise as a 92 year old. It's all part of a progression of life. Um, but when we when we segregate, in my opinion, we age segregate worship, we age segregate teaching, we age segregate all the aspects of church life. Um, we miss out on the generations. Uh, teaching one another, and and it really, in my opinion, it's less of a church than it could be in that way.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a little ironic because uh, you look at our our drive for education for our children. We we want this. We want advanced education wherever we can get it. I'm proud of both my boys for being in honors courses and advancing in their school. But if I if I say, well, I can't let them sit in the church service because it's too advanced for them. Oh.
0: How, how is that? How is that not the not the total opposite
2: of what I'm trying to achieve in their general education? Right. I hear that all the time. Well, well, they go to children's church because it's on their no. You know what you're doing is you're 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 uncomfortable with the realities. Of what Scripture? When when the children came to Jesus, when the when the disciples tried to keep the children from coming to Jesus, it was it was because it was adult time. <laughs> it, that's what people don't seem to comprehend. They when when Jesus said, uh, "Suffer not the little children; let them come to me." He didn't say at children's church. <laughs> It was actually a time well, where what you don't know, the adults were there, the children were getting in the way, and they're like, oh, go over there. And she said, uh uh-uh. uh. No.
0: Well, what Jesus was actually doing was setting aside a children's lesson at the front of the sanctuary. <laughs> and yeah. To, to, Peter, he was, you go
2: over there. I'm going to just hang with these guys.
0: Yeah. He was going to draw them a picture, hand them some candy canes, and then send them back to their parents.
2: And the verse
1: actually said when Jesus saw this, he was indignant.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: he also said that we should morons? come to the kingdom of God <laughs> like these children
2: mm-hmm. that's exactly right
0: now <laughs> sorry who's, someone was who's about to speak go
2: ahead well, no, I was just going to say and we don't realize how listen I was saved when I was nine the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was nine years old literally pulled me out of the pew I mean I there was a physical pull on my body because I was scared to go down front there was a physical pull on my body. Now, I know now as an adult that I didn't have to go down front for for Jesus, but he was calling me to go do that, to to set that precedent. And so I did, nine years old. Uh, I look back on a nine-year-old now, and I'm like, wow, I was literally a kid. I mean, play, I was still playing with E-Man and Hot Wheels and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um But Jesus Christ spoke to my heart. Um, And I look at my life after that and and the, the choices that I had an opportunity to make between then and now. And I've made bad ones. But I'm telling you right now, I know what I could be had I not known Jesus at nine years old. And it terrifies me what I could have been and how many of these children are being kept from their their heavenly father, they're they're being pushed away into uh, oblivion because they're a kid. They're, they're, they're not given the opportunity to have that. And it's just, yeah, that brings me,
0: that brings me back to something Brian had said earlier about, you know, the kids not being a part of the church body until they're 18 years old. And then we wonder why so many of them are leaving the church after they graduate high school. Um, Think about how much of a greater impact a kid would have in just their spiritual uh, development if, from birth until 18, they were constantly within the presence of their parents and of the older generations in the church who were modeling for them what it means to be the church, what it means to to do church, you know, and, and not only modeling for them, but inviting them into that.
2: Absolutely. Right. Yep. So,
0: you know, I, I'm in, at the church that I'm at, the Methodist church, you know, I was, I was told that they, that I, they wanted me to help develop a youth praise team. And I thought about it and the decision, the youth pastor and I came to was that, I wanted to incorporate the youth into the existing adult music ministry. Um, Because I wanted to, I, I just said, you know, I don't mind setting aside Sundays where we just pull the youth out and let them lead the worship, right? But I want them to also be a part of the existing ministry because I don't want them to feel like, you know, that they're not a part of the regular ministry, that they only get special moments. You know, I want them to know and understand that I consider them a valuable part of the existing ministry as a whole. And so I opened it up. I just said, hey, youth, and the youth pastor approved me to reach out to the youth group. And I just said, on Thursday nights, we have rehearsal. If you're interested in singing, playing, running sound, doing PowerPoint, or just coming and hanging out with us, I just say, we start at 7 o'clock. I hope we'll see you there. You know, and and I said, and you may not be able to play with us on Sunday, or maybe you will be. Um, but either way, I just want to open that door and let you know that you're welcome to come and be a part of this ministry. And I had one actually show up last week, and um, I'm still trying to encourage. Some of them are scared, and they and they admitted that to me. They were like, "I'm a little nervous. Uh, uh, you know, I don't like to play in front of people, or I don't like to sing in front of people, or do all these things." And um, so I'm I'm kind of fighting through that typical. Uh, Which I understand, because at that age, I didn't want to either. Um, But, you know, what, what I'm trying to communicate to these kids, my hope, and this is what I told the youth pastor, was that my hope is that I'm communicating to them that I consider them a part of the church body now.
1: Right, yeah. I have the same kind of thing going on where I am, too. I'm not really in a position of authority, but there are kids that are interested in what I do. So I will teach them things about slides. After the service is over, if one of the kids wants to play with one of my keyboard cameras, I'm like, hey, go ahead, go take some pictures, go film some video, go have fun with that. Um, yeah. There are kids that watch me put the sound stuff together. They watch me set it up and they watch me tear it down, and a lot of them will help me and I'll let them. And I will slow down and walk them through the process. Hey, you're part of this too. I want to feed, awesome. if they're interested in that, I want to feed it as early as possible.
2: That's awesome. I, 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 I'd caution too uh, to not assume that the older generation either is is uh, just comfortable where they are. Either because the reason I say that is in in the men's groups I've been involved in at our church. We, our church we call it an intergenerational church. Because we want all the generations blended together, that's that's why this is. Uh, I, I really like this topic because it's something that somebody noticed was an issue at our church body, our portion of the body, and they said we've got to do something about this. So we we focused on a very intergenerational mindset, um, and what I've noticed is some of the older folks are actually super uncomfortable with younger people, and it's not. Because they don't want to, um, it's, it's, it's actually a twofold thing. One is they don't feel worthy to, um, they want to talk among their peers, other older people, because they've been through similar life circumstance, but they don't necessarily feel comfortable passing down their life circumstance uh, knowledge because uh, they, they don't feel worthy of that. They know the mistakes they've made. And, and they feel, now that's one side of it. And the other side of it that I've seen is that, uh, that they're, some of them are actually intimidated by younger people. Um, they, they just, they grew up, they grew up in what we're talking about in the caste style system where children were lesser. And that's what they knew, you know. And so as they are trying to uh, become comfortable with this new concept which shouldn't be new, this new concept to them, it's, um, it's very uncomfortable for them. Uh, not that they don't want to embrace it, but that they're just, it's very much out of their comfort zone. And it's funny because you can go to other parts. Now, most of the world, children are less uh, as a whole, but there are certain parts, like when I was in Ghana, you want to talk about a disruptive uh, congregational experience, go to a service in Kumasi, Ghana. It's wild. <laughs> I mean, the whole service is wild. People yelling out during the, the preaching, you know, kids are, or people are fanning themselves the whole time. Cause there's no air conditioning on the inside. I mean, that is as much church as sitting in the pew singing a uh, sacred hymn. You know what I mean? Right.
0: You know, I think it's funny. Um, as I just, you know, I, re- I reflect even over this, this discussion because had this discussion taken place eight or nine years ago, my whole attitude would be very different. Because um, there was a time in my life and in my own ministry where I began to uh, resent the older generation. Um, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, and a lot of it came because as I grew up as a preacher's kid, I watched the older generation completely obliterate my father in the ministry. Um, you know, and so as I grew older, I was like, you know what, if that's what church people grow up into becoming, I don't want any part of that. And, you know, so a, a lot of my early ministry was heavily focused, not just because I was a youth pastor, but was heavily focused on the kids and assuming that um, the older generation uh, just really had made themselves irrelevant. And um, the reality is that that's just not the case. The, the There are people in all generations within the church who are problem people because we're human beings. And... Um, and there are always going to be pre- people present within our church bodies who are going to test us, push us, frustrate us, and and are going to be those people that were like, I don't want to be like that. However, as I've said on some other of our older podcasts, and even on the one tonight, um, you know, they aren't reflective of those generations as a whole. Um and over the years, my my whole perspective has begun to morph as I've met some of these. You know, there used to be a time where Sherry and I would talk about how we would read things like Titus 2, right? And how the older women and older men ought to be teaching the younger men and the younger women. And I, these words came out of our mouth. We said, we can't think of a single older person we would want to teach us. Hmm based on the people that were within our current church bodies at the time. Now, we may, I can look back, and and that wasn't even necessarily a, a true statement for us to have said, but that's how we felt, right? Just based on some of the attitudes. I mean, But I could think back to the church I was on staff at before the one I'm at now, and there were a couple of older folks there that I absolutely felt like were wise, kind, people that could have just poured into me and I would have loved it. And they did actually. And they did. And, and I could think of people like that in just about every church now that I look back. The problem is, is I missed out on that opportunity um, because of my my ageism <laughs> um, that I was involved in. And so, uh, you know, I just I think it's funny. I just I, I kind of laugh at myself just because I'm sitting here having this discussion and I think about the discussion as it would have pertained or as it would have come out of me years ago. And it it's, it's a very different discussion at this point. And I don't know if it's cause I'm getting older and I'm going, you know what? I was an arrogant, stupid young kid. Um, or if it's just that, you know, God is mean, sho- showing me the error of my ways or what?
2: Well, I mean, is it not both? Is it- so you're saying you got wiser as you got older, huh?
0: <laughs> see, see, here's the
2: thing. Here's the thing about about wisdom. Uh, you know, uh, I noticed Brian put on here the thing about uh, the verse about uh, wisdom. Not in wisdom is not about age. You can be 95 years old and have no wisdom at all because the Holy Spirit has not granted you that way. You have not sought that wisdom, as Proverbs says. You're supposed to seek after it, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, the same. You can be 14 years old and have wisdom. There's some very wise 14-year-olds. However, that 14-year-old's wisdom is going to continue to grow as long as they seek it from the Holy Spirit. So there right. is wisdom in age. Wisdom is just not defined by age. So right. as we grow older, we do grow in that wisdom. And we need to, we need to acknowledge that and appreciate that. Um, I, I want to circle back to what you said a second ago about problem people in the church. And I just want to real quick I said i was I was gonna call out that I wanna identify some problem people in these circumstances because if you are if you are a mother and your child is freaking out in church and you don't have the wherewithal to take your child out for a moment to compose themselves while they're flipping out and that that's your, that's on you <laughs> you know you, you've got to be conscious. you've got to be thoughtful enough that you go look. My kid is freaking out right now. You're not saying, "Well, this is my space, and everybody can just deal with it." If you're an, if you're an elderly person and you can't handle <clears throat> a little bit of, uh, or not even an elderly person, that's shoot middle aged people. You can't handle a little bit of a child playing in their seat or, or something like that. You got a problem. You need to get your crap together because guess what? It's not all about your comfort level, right? Um, yeah. And if you're if you uh, are helping in the church, help. If, if if a mother is there, and we got a lot of single mothers in the church right now, mother's there, and she's got three other kids, and one kid's freaking out, go over and, and offer to you know, hey, uh, if you don't, if you want to step out with them, I'll sit with them, you know, and and uh, that kind of be conscientious. Everybody just needs to to think about what's actually going on around them. Are you thinking about your brothers and sisters, or are you just thinking about yourself?
0: Right. And I think, you know, and this is just me because I have also morphed on what I feel about just the general structure of church as a whole, and I think, you know, a lot of those things that you're talking about are are social expectancies because we have designed church to be a come, sit, and listen thing. Yeah. You know, if if it was not in that structure, a lot of the things that you're talking about would be irrelevant um, because, you know, it would be a situation where you're in a much smaller environment and, um, you know, you've already set up the culture to expect and accept the presence of children no matter what and, you know because you're you you know each other intimately and you're already involved in one another's lives um there's already that relationship where you can do those kinds of things i think in the current church environment if an older person walked over to a mother that they didn't know and just sat down and said would you like to take your kid out of the room and i'll watch the rest of them they the mother would probably go who are you i'm not leaving my kid with you
2: there there's a, there, there's some truth to that but I'm not saying most, every church. Most, but. Right, right. In most circumstances, I think that there is – a there is um, a, a, most people aren't going to be – it's not going to be their first time. That There's a lot of first-time folks, but most of these situations aren't first-time folks. Like, for instance, that pastor that called out that young lady, I'm sure it wasn't her first time there at the church. Uh, from what it sounded like, they'd been there – well, when they interviewed the mom, she said something about, um, you know, each Sunday or something like that. So they've been there multiple times. You know, help them out. Be, lend, lend a hand in that stuff.
0: Right. And in that situation, also think about, you know, I mean, if we're going to do church the way that we're going to do church, then we need to find better ways of addressing those types of situations. Oh, too. without
2: a doubt. Well, I think about it this way. You know, the other day I was at a restaurant. I love kids. You, you I, co- I coached, I've coached kids. Uh, these kids that I'm coaching now are 12 years old. And I've coached them since they were three years old um this this particular group and then I coach other ones as they come up I love kids I love I love developing kids um, seeing them grow and loving on them and uh, every time we have a practice we pray together over what's going on in their lives that I, I love kids but I was at a restaurant the other day and behind me there were kids just without any sort of barriers whatsoever the parents just phew, go do whatever. And they were absolutely disrupting everybody in the restaurant. And I'm like, are you serious? I mean, you you're really that thoughtless. You, you really think that you're parenting them in some way by not establishing some sort of boundaries. Right. So I, the reason I say that is we, we should treat, we shouldn't treat church like a library, but we should treat church as if we're in a restaurant. You know, it's still a, it is still a, place where there are other people involved. And so we should think about other people's um, um, situation. Uh, I'll back it up to this. My dad, he's a pastor. And uh, I know I've told you guys this before, but my dad will not, he does not want kids out of the service. He he doesn't want a children's um, thing for two reasons. One, Uh, The adults that are watching the kids, they're not able to participate in the the service. And two, the kids aren't able to participate in the service. So he has one guy. He's a very big uh, guy. Um, He's probably early 20s. He is severely autistic and vocal Tourette's. And he yells out in service in random times. And my dad includes him. He's like, yes, sir, brother. You know, <laughs> he's he's super distraught. I mean, he gets really loud and and just gets on a tear for a little bit as that Tourette's kicks in, and uh, and then he and sometimes if it's it, most of the time he's fine. Sometimes his mom knows. Okay, well, this is a, this is a severe instance. He's not going to be quiet for a little bit. I need to take him out. I, to me, that's the balance. There, there is a balance there. I want them in there all the time that they can be in there, but there are times where it just can't happen.
0: And I know this, this is, I think there's a lot of assumption that all parents have the same common sense, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there's not exactly. So, you know, we assume parents should know better. (laughs) Um, And they should, uh, obviously. However, a lot of parents parent the way that they were parented. And, so what they assume to be normal and that we're looking at going this is not normal this is not normal i'm i'm not i'm not giving anybody a pass what i am suggesting is is that um is that finding ways that we can help educate the parent right in in a way that's not condescending or making them feel like they're less than parents uh you know but just understanding that, hey, you know what, everybody did not come from the same upbringing with the same expectations or the same parenting styles, mm-hmm. um, and that we we have to be able to address these things and, and create order, because the Bible is clear that when we gather that it should not be chaos. Um, but, and so there has to be some semblance of order, but you can't establish order if um, if you don't have a relationship with those people, or understand what kind of background they have, and be able to um, bring correction and teaching and understanding, um, you know, when you when you have nothing with them, right? Uh, a lot of people want to correct you, but they don't want to have a relationship with you.
2: Let me ask. Let me ask this question. Uh, this goes to Jonathan's been off the quiet. This goes to his point. You're getting worried about we were...
0: him. Are you alive?
2: <laughs> I'm alive. Okay. I'm going to steal your point, Jonathan, since, since you're not talking. Uh, the, the deal with the girl in the church where the pastor, the pastor should not have been the one to, to approach the girl. It should have been a church member or an usher. Well, well an usher should be a church member, but uh, it should have been a church member. Yeah. But, and I, let me pose this question. Do you think that when we're talking about older folks and stuff, that a loving, older individual approaching and saying hey can i
1: help you can i can i
2: can i come talk to you over here and just just..." to me it seems like that would come across better than say just some man in a suit coming up and going hey i need you to come with me (laughs) you know know what i mean it's like you're saying we need to think from their perspective
0: what you're saying is you don't want to send the mafia to her (laughs) (laughs)
2: The guy with the earpiece, like, all right, yeah, I'm there.
0: (laughs) Excuse me, ma'am. I I need to see you in the back of the room.
2: Um. I I think uh,
1: it's a natural outflow of us treating each other like family. We will see those blind spots, and we will trust one another enough to speak into those things. If there are areas that we're struggling in or areas that we don't really understand how to show grace to people around us. Yes. The function as a family, people can pour into us, and we can make those adjustments for it.
0: Right, because you can get to a place like when you're at a family event and your grandkid or your nephew or niece is acting like a fool, and you can just pick up the kid without even talking to the parent and walk out of the room and just, you know, handle the situation because you're family. Right. And that's not excusing the parent from the situation. That's just saying, well, maybe the parent's in, in the middle of something and can't handle the moment, um, but because you have that level of relationship and trust with one another, that you can step in and 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 handle situations because it's it's already expected. I mean, in a family, if if my if Sherry's mother came over and picked up one of my kids and walked out of the room, I wouldn't second guess what she's doing.
3: Right. Yeah. You know, in our church,
0: a lot of hard work. What did you say, John?
3: So at our church, we start every service. We have like a pre-taped video that welcomes people in. And we announce, you know, your kids are allowed to stay in the service. But if they do become a distraction, we ask that you have look at some of these options that we have. And I think in the situation where, like I mentioned, like an usher should be the person who goes and talks to them. I'm thinking when I've actually observed a child becoming a distraction at my church, the usher actually went to get one of the children's volunteers, mm. so some, someone to come and talk to the mother, offer, hey, you know, we can take your kid over here in this classroom if you'd like, or we have these other options.
0: Yeah, I I, I like that. That's a great idea. And, you know,
2: from your perspective, is it normally a woman?
3: The children's volunteers are mostly women in my church. So, like, the male uh, usher would have went to go get one and then come back. Normally, we're very volunteer-heavy at our church, Um, so we have a few children's department volunteers who wouldn't be specific to a class they kind of are monitoring what's going on overall the reason I say that
2: I I don't agree with mansplaining men and women are built differently and mansplaining is a cop out for people not wanting instruction but anyway uh, but in the society we live in uh, I could see how a man approaching a a young woman uh, would be a bad idea (laughs) Some, be better sometimes better, it doesn't it matter
0: because my wife went and helped, tried to do something like that in our last church. Jonathan, you might have still been a part of the church at the time. And uh, she was asked by the pastor to go address this girl um, about her kid who was – it was clear that the mother was just not – caring if her child acted like a fool. Yeah. you're going to have that. And so Sherry went and didn't say, you need to put your kid in our nursery. She went over and said, Hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that we do have a very, you know, high quality children's program with nursery and, and whatnot. And, and I'm over it and we're more than happy to take the kid. You know, if you're running into issues with them during church and the girl kind of acknowledged it, turned around, began to cry went into the sanctuary, told her parents, this was all before church started, and then her and her family left and never came back. Wow. So, and that's from my wife, who uh, I would consider not exactly the scariest person in the world.
2: I don't know. Sure, it's pretty scary. Y'all haven't seen crown. the
0: size that I have seen. <laughs> I mean, she's scary to me, but generally to most people, she's the sweet, you know, innocent person um, person who people just go not sherry
3: <laughs> i think i've seen her scare
0: you well you lived with us for a year so you would have yeah uh, <laughs> um and now now uh what what, what? that's for a different episode Brad.
2: That's Okay. Different episode. i just saw,
0: saw you send something to the group and i'm sitting there going this has nothing to do with, uh <laughs>
2: You know I'm ADHD. I go through 14 different topics in my head at a time. So
0: So, uh, I found that article I was mentioning earlier about the older generation. And the title of it is Dear Church, Don't Overlook and Undervalue the Elderly. There was the last section I felt like was the best section of the whole article. Now, it, it actually cited almost all the Bible verses that we've already mentioned about the younger generations and Titus two and then Proverbs sixteen thirty one with the gray hairs crown of glory. Um, here's here's um, here's the last part and I just want to read it and we can we can jump off of this point. It may spur in discussion. It may not. But here we go. It says this. It says what happens when a local church targets younger families or plants exclusively with young people in mind. Such churches learn how to celebrate at weddings and the birth of new babies, but they rarely watch an older member persevere in the faith to the very end. They know what it's like to dance at a wedding, but they don't know what it's like to weep at a funeral. Um, And they don't know what it's like to weep at a funeral of an old man who spent much of his life serving the Lord in the life of their local church. They don't know what it's like to stand over the casket of a man with deep wrinkles and gray hair and praise God for his faithfulness. In an age where youthfulness has nearly been turned into an idol, the Church of Jesus Christ should reject those ideas. The value of older members must be something that is instilled in the minds of younger children amongst us. We must disciple them well and teach them the value of learning from older members among our family of faith. An immature church is one that ignores the elderly. I love
2: that last statement an immature church is the one north of the outrun. Something you said there about uh, the idol of youthfulness. Yeah. Um, the Super Bowl halftime show, I won't go into whether it was appropriate or not. It's not neither here nor there to the discussion. It wasn't. The, <laughs> the, uh, but the, <laughs> a lot of what came out of it is the joke, look how good J-Lo looks at 50 and I look at 30 or whatever. Right. Um,
1: the after this episode.
2: <laughs> what wouldn't it what what would it look like as a church if rather than saying, look how good she looks from a physical perspective we really began to embrace the flowers of wisdom in in the uh, in our elders And I say that uh, introspectively because uh, again I told you I, I really, appreciate um, many folks in my life that I just uh, Miss Jewel Garland and Miss Betty Cudd and and uh, Mr. Rufus Bonner and so many people throughout my life that uh, bring tears to my eyes and thinking about how I I neglected as a youth to really tell them and share with them how much I appreciated mm-hmm. their role in my walk in my life um, and uh And I caution you folks that might be listening, uh, especially any younger folks, don't be like me wishing that you had taken that opportunity. Take that opportunity. Tell them thank you. Give them them that hug, that embrace, that hug. And and just uh, let them know that that you do appreciate it because when you get older, as I grow and get older, uh, that appreciation grows ever more. So as much as you think you appreciate them now, you're going to appreciate them more later and you should really let them know why you can.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll go ahead and put this out there. And this is my word to church growth experts. You need to drop the verbiage when you're talking about planting a church that says, what's our target audience?
2: Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. Your target audience. Look outside.
0: People. People is your target audience. But these churches go into an area and they go, okay, which age group do we want uh, to target? And it's just like, uh, you're already f- setting up the church on a foundation of, of basically age discrimination.
2: Well, you, you, in that article, uh, that first article about the uh, the Methodist church uh, moving the elderly folks out, the, uh, it quoted the church growth, ex- part of the church, the guy's job. His his job title was uh, planting uh, youth, youthful churches.
0: How how is that how how do we even have
2: that as a job description? That that's disturbing in itself. Churches shouldn't need some uh, some expert to come plant. It should be organic. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: that's a different topic.
0: <laughs> uh, no, agreed. Absolutely agreed. Uh, I just was thinking about that when you were talking about that, and and it just comes to mind. It's like every church growth model, every church growth conference, every, Uh, every expert in church growth, they always seem to target, well, we need to get the young families in the church. And I don't disagree. We need to get the young families in the church. Absolutely. Do we do it at the expense of the ones that are already there? No. No. We say... We want the younger families, and we want the older families, and we want the young babies, and we want the older generations. We want them all, and, you know, we have to stop treating this.
2: Well, it goes it goes back to, like, like we discussed in, a, in some previous episodes that we've discussed till now, is that the church is not a purely evangelistic tool. It is a discipleship body. Um, it is, it is, uh, a living body, not, we are not going out. It's not, it's not a nursery. It's not all about the babes. It's, it's, uh, for those that are old in the faith and for, and for those that are new in the faith, it is not a purely, but to Brian's point, the church should always have an evangelistic, um, premise. So our, the main goal of the church is discipleship and growth together but to prepare us as evangelistic bodies to go out into the world.
0: Right. Yep. And if our, you know, in evangelism when you look at um like in the in the New Testament when you know the disciples are leading people um into salvation and showing them, it says, you know, that the father got married and then they or got married. (laughs) The father got saved and then they went back and the whole household was saved. Yep. Yep. You know, you can't save the whole household if you're only targeting, you know, the child or just the father or just the mother. It's, it's a family experience. And, and that's why I think, you know, people who like, I, I, I'm a youth or I've, I've got a youth ministry degree and my professor would constantly push this idea. And this is actually a good thing. He would constantly push the idea. He would say, youth ministry is not just about the youth. It's about the family. And he said, youth ministry is in in fact, family ministry. Yep. And he was right. And, but i would extend it further even out from just the the child and their parents but to the grandparents and to their siblings because it's like you know if it's family ministry we have to we have to look at the whole the whole picture and if we can incorporate children from child or from birth to death in the life of the church and we make them them a vital part of church from birth to death um you know then we integrate them into just that life. I mean, effectively we're, we're hook, hooking them up to the body. Um, but it's like, we want you to be a part of the body, but you're, you're more like a shoe that we put on and take off. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we want you here. We like you here. You look nice. Um, and, and you, you the new shoe you're proud of you're you wear around, but as soon as it gets old and scuffy and and dirty, then you take it off and you get new shoes. And that's kind of how we treat the older generation you know it's like they're not a part of the body they're just an accessory until they're not useful anymore in our opinion
1: in a sense we're putting up uh, the walls of hostility that Christ already tore down
2: exactly yeah yep and and I and you know when we talk about the crotchety older folks. Um, some of that is born out of how we treat them. Um, they That's they true. feel um, they feel that they have to protect their little bubble. Otherwise, uh, they're going to become obsolete.
1: We got to protect that old time religion.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh man. Well um
2: all right well uh can, can, i i will say a word from uh from me specifically okay. to uh, to all those listening um if you are an elderly person that i have interacted with in the church and i have not respected you i want to apologize um if you are a younger person in the church and now that i'm working my way toward 40 um, and you feel that you have been uh, looked down on in some way, I apologize. I want to let you know that it doesn't matter if you are three or 93, that you are a brother or a sister uh, of mine in Christ, in Christ alone. He is the great equalizer. Uh, that you red and yellow black and white purple pink whatever Jesus Christ um, has no color no sex preference no no anything he died for us all the same way in complete abjuration. and if i have treated you in any way other than that if i have if i have put myself in any way I apologize and I want to apologize on behalf of of the church as a whole to anybody that's been hurt. Cause I know there are so many people, the premise of the angry Christian uh, touches you because you have uh, either been an angry Christian or you have been dealt with by angry Christians. And uh, that's the whole reason Brad started this in the first place, because he felt that that touch of the Holy Spirit that said, you're hurting people. Yep. And uh, I apologize for my part in that and uh, I just wanted to let you know that and let you know that you are not alone but you are very much and I appreciate you very much as a part of that
0: agreed I think we can all agree with that I would also put in to the parents uh, people like uh, well all four of us on on this podcast um, you have the opportunity to teach your children, to respect and honor the older generation. And you have the opportunity to incorporate them into the life of your church. Um, don't, don't allow um, church culture to go the way it has gone because you just assume that this is how things are. Read the Bible, look at what the Bible talks about with the intergenerational interactions, and as a parent, take intentional steps to show, demonstrate, and walk your children through and help them become, from the very beginning, vital piece of the body, of the the church body. Because we have that opportunity. And, you know, we're responsible for that. You know, if we have kids that get to 18 under our watch who leave the church because they didn't have any interaction with the church body. That's on us. So we have the opportunity to rectify that. We don't have to let that be the norm. We don't have to let it continue to be the norm. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to. One last thing here. Yep.
1: Uh, man, this is, it's the hard thing for me to talk about. I wouldn't be as willing as I am now to praise the church as family, if it wasn't for a little boy, he was only two years old. I kept my guard up all the time when I was with people in the church, but this little two-year-old, somehow, someway, he found the back door and he, did, he knocked those walls down and when i was around him i just i felt like i belonged that i struggled with a lot in my life and uh man the, the lord called him home he he was only two when he passed and just seeing the way our little body came together after that happened it helped me to realize that God literally made us a family. This isn't some pretty little concept. This is the truth of what we are. One body, one flesh. With one purpose, one mission. We're here to serve and honor Christ and be salt and light to the world. We have to love each other first before we can go out love the world. And God taught me that through a two-year-old.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, I think our children have have they they may not have the wisdom of the ninety two year old, but they have the faith that we adults need to recapture. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking over. I think I posted it last week, and I just said, you know, that my 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 kids are my heroes because they teach me so much about my relationship with God, and. You know they teach me, you know, about what faith looks like, what trust looks like, because they have faith in me as their father that I'm going to keep my word, that I'm going to to protect them, that I'm going to care for them. They trust me that when I say um, I love them, that I mean it. And you know what? They go day day by day, and I can promise you, they don't think about is are we going to have food on the table. They don't think about that because they trust that as their father, I'm going to make sure there's food on the table. You know, they don't think about what clothes am I going to have because they trust and have faith in me as their father that I'm going to clothe them. And, you know, that's huge. And I I think that's what when Jesus, you know, going back to the the passage there where Jesus tells the, the disciples to let the children come and that, um, the kingdom of God looks like this. What he's saying is that we have to have the faith of a child and the trust of a child, of their parents. Like, we have to have that of him that our, that the children have of us. You know, I can, sure. remember, I can remember as a kid, I used to have a story my dad would tell um, that where my grandparents lived in West Virginia, they had a little stone wall that was like three feet off the ground. And I would, uh, apparently, I don't remember this because I was young, but my dad said that when I was like three, four years old, I would climb up on that wall while he was standing down there. He would have his back to me, and I would just yell, Dad, and then I would jump. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I wouldn't even wait for him to turn around or acknowledge that he heard me. I would just jump trusting and having faith that he was going to catch me. And um, he actually used to use that as a sermon illustration all the time of, of faith because he was like, my son, you know, it was crazy. He would just jump off the wall, yell, dad, and just assume I was going to catch him. And, but I mean, my kids are like that. Declan Gunner is like that. He would absolutely climb up on something and just jump at me and yell, dad, you know, and assume that I was going to catch him because he trusts me. He He honestly believes that I'm, gonna catch him you know and and my son uh, my other son Braden. you know i was listening to there's an old there's a uh, owl city song um that owl city sings a song about well i say owl city i can't remember the guy's name um it's one guy um but he has a song he wrote about his father being his hero and um we were listening to that song in the car and Braden was in the front seat and we were riding along, listening to it. And when he said, you know, basically the lyrics are like, you know, um, the greatest hero to me is my dad. And Braden looks at me and he goes, you know what, dad, that's what I think you are. No. Well, dang. And I was like, kid slay me now. You know, I'm trying to drive son. Don't do this. You got water on the windshield and, uh, Can't see the road anymore. And, uh, no, but I mean, can we, that's it. Yeah. Not all heroes wear capes. And he's talking about his dad and, um, you know, but I mean, just in that moment, he taught me again about, you know, do I look at God, the father as my hero, you know, this little nine year old boy has a better understanding of that relationship than sometimes I do.
2: Right through the eyes of babes,
0: <laughs> and through the mouth of babes. Yeah. Whereas uh, Bill Cosby would say, "The kids say the darnest things." Um,
2: no, it's uh, Tiffany Haddish, or no, no, oh yeah, is there yeah. A Tiffany Haddish no. yeah.
0: <laughs> now? Now, never mind, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> and before that, it was uh,
2: Link Letter. I don't know. I have no idea.
0: Lincoln, Lincoln Park. <laughs> uh, right. But anyway, well, I think it was a good discussion. Any any final thoughts before we wrap up? Jonathan so? didn't give any final thoughts? Come on. <laughs> yeah.
3: So That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> shortly after the whole Minnesota Struggling Church thing came out, there was a poll published by a Christian radio station on asking if a struggling church asking its older members to leave is a good or a bad idea. And the good news is that 98% of people said it was a bad idea.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that 98% of the people in our, if you take that as a statistical uh, analysis of church culture, that 98% of the people disagree with church growth strategies. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> no granted as we said the articles don't give all the information this poll yeah. definitely gave even less information <laughs> but exactly just on the surface it's like yeah that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah you get the, the surface little level, level of hey y'all leave
0: sure and, and it's very nuanced that is for sure um unfortunately we live in a culture church culture where it's not especially ex- ex- especially it's not especially unbelievable though yeah and that that's what's disheartening about it is you know whether whether or not the reality was painted accurately in those those articles the truth is there are churches out there who while they haven't asked old people to leave their church, they've intentionally set themselves up not to target older people.
2: Right. And vice versa.
0: Right. Yeah. There are older churches that intentionally are like, we're happy with us. And in fact, I, I heard that when Sherry and I were up in Virginia, um, back in the fall from an, an individual who was, um, I guess a substitutionary pastor at a church up there. It was a a church that literally was, he he even admitted, he fully admitted to me that their church was 60, that he was the youngest guy and he was like 60 something years old. And he, and he said, and I'm okay with that. We're happy where we're at. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was just like, bro, really? I was like, you're happy with the fact that everybody in your church, um, is literally on their deathbed, and you have nobody in your church um, to come behind you. You're 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 happy with that? I I mean I, I was just kind of speechless, to be perfectly honest. But I didn't really I didn't respond to him. I just kind of looked at him, nodded my head, and smiled, and said, "Good luck with that." So. They are out there. They're the uh, the, uh, the opposite extremes are out there. So, Well, it's been a long night. It's been a good night. I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think we've even potentially thrown out some possible solutions. Um, uh, hopefully, that's a, some meat for you guys to chew on, some things to consider. Um, go out and hug an old person. Pick up and kiss an old baby. Or an old baby. <laughs>
1: the uh, <laughs> baby go to spoilers. Houston, like rabbit.
2: No, don't kiss <laughs> Exactly. Says, I I pictured that, the baby with the cigar.
0: <laughs> Sherry says don't kiss the babies. Don't kiss the babies. Um <laughs> it's a no no. Apparently moms get mad. It's also flu season. Coronavirus. It's, it's also <laughs> the equivalent of touching a pregnant mom's ba- belly. Um but uh yeah, don't kiss the babies. But uh hug the old people. Um blow kisses to the babies. Um And then, um, say thank you. You can kiss the old
2: people if they've got their dentures in.
0: Ooh. (laughs) Is it like, is it like kissing your great aunt Ruth when she has a beard and it felt weird? Exactly. Oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. He loves these lips. But um, anyway, we are going to call it a night. We appreciate you listening as always. Go out to eagerfortruth.com and catch some of our content. Um, I, John, or Jonathan Mark, oh my gosh, uh, Michael put out an article for um, his, his first and only so far. I hope he puts out more content. But back during Christmas, he put out one about um, Advent. Uh, definitely worth a read. Um, Brian's been putting out content worth a read. I've been putting out content definitely worth the read. Um, you know, just throwing it out there. Uh, check out eagerfortruth.com. It's also where we host our podcast files, so you can always go out there and listen to old episodes if you have missed season one. Uh, but you will find our old episodes there. Um, and, uh, you know, find us on Facebook. We love to talk with our listeners. Um, nobody actually talks to us, but we would love to talk to you. Um, so if you would like to, that'd be great. By the way, I'm just going to put this plug out here. Um, Brian, you're the only one who's not in our, our technical region of the country because you're in Indiana. Um, but I am working right now in trying to put together a Southeast Christian pos- Podcasters Meetup Um, for podcasters in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia. And I might even consider those in Eastern Tennessee. I'm not sure yet. Um, I'm just kidding, but, uh, trying to do a little meetup in Columbia sometime between now and October, nothing. We're not talking like a conference here, but like a a little Saturday, let's go get some lunch in Columbia or or breakfast, talk podcasting network, you know, just kind of work with one another and, and really helping, um, build up the Christian podcast community within this region. Um, it's The podcasting community is unique, I think. Um, we're not in competition with one another, um, and it's one of the few areas I've seen where the creatives are, are genuinely interested in helping out other creatives with their podcasts. And um, so I've already got several people who are on board. Um, I just need to get Jonathan and Michael to show up, too. And um, you know Mm -hmm. we'll we'll have a good old time. Brian, you're welcome to show up too, but you're going to have to travel to South Carolina. Just saying. Come on. You can stay with me if you want. Newborn coming. I have to sit this one out. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I just wanted to put it out there. Um, You can find uh, the Angry Christian Podcast on Facebook and the Southeast Christian Podcast podcasters it's another it's a new group just created today um, you can find that if you're in our region we would love to meet up with you anyway we appreciate you all and uh, you know the most important thing is don't be angry I want to say a big thank you to Jonathan Hamlet Michael Ledford, Brian Baldwin and Robert Platt for taking this journey with me and helping me host the angry Christian podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for the use of his song, angry dance, which is featured as the opening song to this podcast. Although the production and music was created by the angry Christian podcast team. And finally, our biggest thanks goes out to you, our listeners for without you, this podcast would not be possible. God bless.